Use the book of Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter number 14. Find your place in the Word of God. We'll read in just a moment and then get right into the message of the Word of God. Thank God for the wonderful day. I appreciate all that the Lord's done. One of the great things about serving God is you can be aware of the fact He's done a lot of things you've not seen today. He's seen a lot of things you've not heard a lot of people. He's God. He's able to do that. And uh, I want you to really pray God will have his will and way and Amen. the Lord's will will be done in the service this evening. You pray God will help me help yes. you through the word of God this evening. I'm reading one of the most familiar stories in the word of God. It's probably not a good time to read about it when you're already thinking about supper. But I want to talk to you about the little lad who had a little arms, met a great big Lord, had a whole lot of leftovers. Yes. One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite messages. And I really think it must have been the Lord's. I think it's the only miracle outside the death and resurrection of Christ is mentioned in all four Gospels. Amen. He kept bringing it up. He must like to talk That's about right. it. But I appreciate the Lord's blessings upon us. And I want you to pray God will help us and bless us. And the Lord's will will be done. Look at your Bible, if you will, please. In verse number 15, of Matthew chapter number 14, verse 15. The Bible said, and when it was evening... His disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give you them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them hither to me. And he, called, and he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and they took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. And they were then they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. Keep your Bible open. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a moment of prayer. Then the message for this afternoon from God's eternal word. Our precious heavenly father, again, dear Lord, today at the throne of grace and mercy in Jesus' name, I bow before you again in prayer. Father, again, I do want to say thank you for the joy of salvation. The wonderful privilege, dear Lord, that we, at least most of us here in this building, have had to be born in America Lord, to have access to the word of God, to the people of God, to men of God. One day, dear Lord, be exposed to the gospel that we might hear the word of God and believe the word of God and be saved by the marvelous grace of God. Thank you, our Father, for the joy of salvation since being saved. Lord, I want to say with a songwriter, thank you, Lord, for your blessings upon me. Now, Father, I confess this evening, and I know that within me, that is within my flesh, well, it's no good thing. I know without the leadership of the Holy Spirit, without the power of God, my efforts are vain. So, Lord, as best I know how, I present myself again this afternoon. I simply pray to the Lord that you will fill me with your spirit, fortify me the scriptures, and use me to the glory of Christ today. I pray you save every sinner in the building this week. I pray to the Lord that you will give direction to many of these lives that are before us today as to the will of God for their lives. Oh, God, thank you for the joy of Jubilee. 
But help us, our Father, realize, your Lord, there are greater depths, our Father, things to be reached out for. And I pray, dear Lord, you'll manifest your will as we magnify your word. We'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you. Maybe see that. Do keep your Bible open, please. You're seeing it with the message for today from the word of God. Now, most preachers understand where I'm at. I stand in a place for a moment. I'm risking being misunderstood. But I ask you, please don't misunderstand me. Listen to what I'm fixing to say. I, I love the joy, the shout, the blessing. But I also recognize that's just one facet of Christianity, of church, and the meeting. Every man of God that stood in this pulpit and preached today, and many that will not preach today, are what they are because somewhere back early in their life, they had an experience with God not only in salvation, but in commitment to serve God with their lives. Young people, listen to me, and you'll have to think on what I'm fixing to say. There are only three major choices in life. Now, I know some of you made more than that trying to decide what you're going to wear today. Which color went with what color? Amen? But three major choices in life, and you'll understand what I'm saying in just a moment. And if you get the first one right, then the next two will not be so difficult. Number one, if you want to write them down, write them down. You must make a choice. Who's going to be my Lord? You can't have two. You can have multitudes. One, if you're going to go the right way. But who's going to be my Lord? I did not say who's going to be my Savior. But who is going to be the leader, the controller, the authority of my life? Number two, you, and especially young men, must make this choice. What's going to be my labor? It's still honorable that men work. Amen. Somebody asked Dr. R. G. Lee one time, is it true two can live as cheap as one? He said, if one will go hungry, the other will go naked, they'll make it. But that's not a good way to live. You must make a decision on labor, but listen to me. You better let God direct you in that decision on labor. If you're not careful, you'll get a job that will possess your life in you and take you away from the word of God and the will of God for your life. The third major choice after who's going to be my Lord, what's going to be my labor, is who's going to be my lover. How important that is. How important that is. How important that is. But I want to come back and major on the first one today on this matter of who's going to be my Lord. I want to use a story that's before us and preach on really this subject. I want to preach on God wants your lunch. God wants your dinner. Can I say this? Please, everybody listen to me. I could start with Brother Brother Brian and I could sweep this entire congregation and say without hesitation, I'm talking to every person in the, this building and the 
balcony as well, and everywhere else, and I'm telling you, there's not a person anywhere that God doesn't want. You might say, well, preacher, nobody wants me. Oh, yes, God does. You see, your lunch is your life. In the story I'm looking at today, it was true in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you study all four of these scriptures about this, you come to John chapter number six and you find out that this breaking of this bread is done by the Lord and he turns right around and presents himself as the bread of God from heaven. God never performed a miracle just to be doing something. But he does it with a message. So God presented himself to be broken, distributed, and used to magnify God. I'm talking about Christ then. And God wants you and I to present our bodies, our life to him so he can take it, tuck it, touch it, transform it, and break it and bestow it and do something with it to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you about five or six things real quickly and then I'll be through. First of all, I want to this story begins with a problem. Matter of fact, there's a threefold problem and I'm only going to use this for introduction and then move on. First of all, I want you to notice the period's late. Everybody with me? They're going to get anything done for this crowd. They're going to have to get busy and do it quick. Number two, the place is deserted. Number three, the people are desperate. There's nothing to eat. They're hungry. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Make a spiritual application for just a moment. Can I say to you, my friend, that in this dispensation of the church, the period is late. The sun is sitting on the day of this church age, the church dispensation, and if we're going to do anything about this hungry world, then we better do something quick because time is running out. May I say to you today, not only the time is late, but I want to say to you that the place is desert. You know, we're in a, we live in the Bible Belt. Those of us around here do. There's not a whole lot of real bread of God from heaven being put out around here. But multitudes of places around the world where there is not much bread at all being distributed. Then I want you to know certainly don't look here late. Place is desert, but the people are desperate. They're hungry. Now, I need you to stay with me because you probably won't agree with the first statement I'm about to make until I make the second one. You and I are witnessing a dreaded, dreadful, desperately hungry spiritual generation. You say, Brother Blue, you must live where I do not live. No, watch me just a moment. You see, hunger will drive you to do a lot of things you would not normally do. Some of you no doubt on the sound of my voice can testify. I can testify myself, Brother Southern, as a boy. I know what it is to take a half of a sandwich or half of a hot dog out of a garbage can to have a bite to eat. 
You say, I wouldn't do that. You've not been that hungry yet. But this world is searching with a hunger that controls them. And hunger will make a person fight. It'll make a person steal. It'll make a person kill. It'll make you do things you would not normally do. You see, here's what I'm talking about, a spiritual hunger. This generation gets their kicks out of drugs, drinking, partying, immorality. There's a couple of things wrong with that. Number one, hear me, they do offer some satisfaction, but it's only for a moment. There is no lasting satisfaction in drinking. There is no lasting satisfaction in drugs. Matter of fact, if you're going to get your kick out of drugs, you're going to have to pop needles and snort dope again and again and again and again. Why? It has no lasting satisfaction for the hungry soul of fallen men. You're going to get your kick out of booze and drinking. You're going to have to get drunk over and over and over again. You join the generation you live in and get your kick out of sexual immorality. You're going to have to quit fornication and adultery over and over and over again. Why? It only satisfies but for a moment. Because I tell you, thank God, there is some true bread of God from heaven that satisfies for time and eternity. As a younger man, when I sing in a quartet, we used to sing a song that said, I searched for him and knew not what I searched for. I longed for him and knew not what I longed for. But when I met Jesus, I knew that I would search no more because he filled a longing. Thank God he satisfies what nothing else and nobody else can do. The hungry soul of mankind. Don't you notice the second thing? There's a problem within their proclamations. Now look at me just a moment. Now say this with a light heart, but I want you to see it. You'll understand it. These must have been Baptists. Because every time there's a problem, Baptists have got a word to say. Yeah. <laughs> and I say a word. <laughs> the disciples said, send the multitude away. Send them to town. Let them buy for themselves. Do you know we wouldn't dare say that with our mouth, but that is the attitude and action of many, many, many Baptist church members in 2018. Can I paraphrase with this for just a moment? Don't burn me. Why should I be concerned? Why should you be concerned about all these souls? Why can we be concerned about a world going to hell? Why can we be concerned about people we don't know? I'm saying you, we're saying by our attitude, send them away. Don't bother us. We get rid of them, we can have a ball, a party. We want to look after ourselves. He said, others. There's not only a proclamation of the disciples, but thank God there's a proclamation of the divine. While they're saying sin away, it's like Jesus said, wait a minute. They need not depart. Give you them to eat. Again, may I paraphrase? He said, don't send them away. Feed them. 
send them away. Feed them. Oh, may God help us. Our job as a church, our job as a Christian, our job as people of God is to not send that congregation away, but feed them the glorious bread of God from heaven that can do for them what it done for you and I. You see, they don't sing our kind of songs. They don't like our kind of music. They don't dress as we dress. They don't talk as we talk. But before you get too quiet on me, may you be reminded you've not always talked like you've talked. Dress like you dress. Sing like you sing. There's not a sinner in the world that a good case of old salvation, old time salvation wouldn't take them out of the sinning business and put them in the singing business and the serving business of our God. Don't send them away. Feed them. Notice the third thing. Not all there's a problem. There's a proclamation. But I want to borrow your mind for just a moment. I want to make sure you see the picture. Would you look at me just a moment? You know the story. Please look at me just a moment. I live out of all kind of I will not argue the fact, Pastor, that the word disciples are used for different groups in the Bible. But I'm going to use the 12 here just for the story. But I do really believe that's who it's talking about. But please allow me to use just the 12. So here's a picture. Look at me just a moment. On this side, 12 men. On this side, 5,000 men. If I give them all a wife apiece, that's another 5,000. Two children, please, that's 20,000 people. Can I go with those figures? Will you come with me on that? On this side, 12 men. On this side, 20,000. Now, Brother Gravely, had the Lord said to the 20,000, feed the 12, I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. But he didn't say that. He said to the 12, Feed the 20,000. But Lenny, I'm always wondering why Peter said to John behind the Lord's back, Ash, feed all him. We can't do that. Well, there were 12 of us. And that's about a ratio that gives you at least a thought. When we realize our Lord commands us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and we want to say, Ash, reach the whole world. statement is we can't do that. I'm telling you it's time to stop telling God what you can't do and let God show you what he can do with your life. There's a problem. Proclamation. There's a picture. Now that I want you to notice the plan. Our Lord's got a plan. It consists of three things. If you're making notes, write this down. I'll deal with it. First of all, the plan begins with an inventory. What do you got? Forgive my English. I know it's not good English, but you'll understand it because you don't know good English being in Georgia. No way. But anyway, it did not say what you don't got. The Lord did not say what do you not have. And I say to you, God don't need what you don't got. 
If he does, he'll give it to you, then you'll have it to give to him. What do you got? Well, it, it comes in. I got to be hurry on this. But the word comes around. One of them said, well, Lord, it'd take 200 pennies worth. Feed this crowd a little. Well, you know what he's saying? First of all, we don't have 200 pennies worth. Second, we have the money. There's no place to buy food. That's right. I've tried to imagine, Pastor, and I don't mean this to be a, sl- a slam at anybody, but Chris, I've tried to imagine this being an average Baptist church crowd in our day. Yeah. You know what we would say? We got five loaves and two fishes, and, but what's that among so many? First of all, that's not enough meat. And if we had enough meat, that's not enough bread. If we had enough bread, we don't have any coleslaw. Had coleslaw, we don't have any tartar sauce. Had tartar sauce, don't have any french fries. Had french fries, we don't have any plates. Had plates, don't have any napkins. Had napkins, don't have any ketchup. Had ketchup, don't have any forks. And we're so busy looking at what we don't got that we fail to use what we do have to the glory of God. Can I say this again? God don't need what you don't have. What do you got? And the story's told finally. We've got five, we've got a little lad with five loaves and two fishes. Now I want to take a different route. I want y'all to stay with me just a moment. Jesus said, bring them hither to me. Yes. Yes. Now the common perception is, and I can see this in the Bible, I'm not changing, but I want to give you another side look at it, okay? When he said, bring them hither to me, Brother Chris, it's like he said, bring me them five loaves and two fishes. That's right. But I believe it goes deeper than that. Brother Eric, your son Josh there. Justin. Justin, I'm sorry. Justin, I'm sorry. Justin, I'm sorry. You see, your job, Brother Eric, is not to run down here and get Justin's lunch and bring it and put it on the altar. I believe the them is the lunch and the lad. Because he's got to do business. Kneel down there just a minute and you can get up. He's got to do business with God one-on-one for himself. Take your Bible. Are you with me? Brother Gravity, as much as you love your family, but you can get up just when you get As much as you love your church, you'd come to the altar for every one of them if you could. You'd do the same. Every one of us men of God would. But I'm telling you, I cannot go to the altar for you. Mama can't do it. Daddy can't do it. Pastor can't do it. That's between you and God. You must be brought face to face with Christ and do business one on one with the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring them. Hit it to me. They go bring the little lad. Oftentimes I wonder, Brother Randy, if he didn't try to get somebody else to hold his lunch. It's just a little old fisherman's lunch, you know. Keep this while I go see what the Lord wants. Mm-hmm. And the disciples said, no, bring it on. He, you see, I don't care what you got. If you can use it out there in the world, you can dedicate it to God and use it in the service of God. Amen. You can play that guitar for the devil. You can get right with God and play it with God for God. You can sing for the devil, you know, for God. Whatever you've got, 
God wants not just you, but all of you and all you've got. They go through and find that little boy. Can you imagine this? And said, the Lord wants to talk to you up front. Wow. But wait a minute. Son, from you. The Lord wants to talk to you up front when there's a message over today. One-on-one. He wants to talk to you. He didn't send me up here to preach just because I need somewhere to preach. God wants to do business with you. Your daddy can't do it. Your pastor cannot do it. Your mama cannot do it. And God don't want to. God wants to deal with you. God wants you to step out and bring him your lunch. And you and him have a personal conversation and a personal commitment with your life to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That little boy finally comes forward. Can you imagine looking in the face of Jesus? Now, I'm going to tell you something. 20,000 people would shake me up. And I've stood probably in the pulpit as much as anybody in here. Shake me up, Brother Randy. I'd get nervous facing 20,000 people. I know you guys are more spiritual. I wouldn't bother you, but it'd bother me. 20,000 people. I can't imagine 20,000 people. But he's not just coming from them. He's coming. The Lord wants to talk to him. That's right. Let me, let me clear up something now. Our, our southern language is not always clear. I didn't say God wanted to talk to y'all. All of you. I said God wants to talk to you. That's right. You, 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 right down the line. He walks up the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine like this uh, microphone were to be the Lord's hand and the Lord's standing there. I'm the little lad and he keeps motioning to me. Bring it hither. Brother, grab that like this. You know, we want kids to get big enough for God to talk to. I'm glad the Lord knows how to condescend on child's level. Look in their eyeballs and say, what do you got? Can you imagine, Brother Rogers, can you imagine trying to say to the Lord, get your Adam's apple to work, talk to the Lord? What do you got? And to his surprise, Brother Morgan, Jesus said, bring it here to the bed. The greatest thought that'll ever go through your mind if you get it is God wants you to bring your lunch to the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's some battles in this. I wouldn't be a bit surprised about the time that the Lord said, give me that lunch. There's a hunger pain, one in one side, one out the other. Yes. Devil said, you'll starve. Yeah, tell it, brother. Yeah. Preach yes, that. Sir. Yeah. And about that time, I believe the thought went through his mind, I got plans for this lunch. Mm-hmm. It's a tragedy how many times your plans keep you from finding God's plan and fulfilling God's plan. But you know what the Lord did? He just kept on, kept on. Bring it hither. Bring it hither to me. I want your lunch. Well, watch me just a minute. Let me be a little boy. He, he takes a step, a left, a right. And the Lord just keeps saying, come on. 
He knows how to talk you into doing what you said you wouldn't do. That's right. He knows how to talk you into doing what you wasn't planning on doing. Watch me just a moment. That little boy got that lunch if this was the Lord's hand. If he got that lunch in two inches of God's hand, you know what would happen to that lunch? Nothing. What I'm dealing with today, getting close, don't count. It's all right if you're playing horseshoes, but we're not playing horseshoes now. Brother Gravely, let me use Brother Brown. I want anyone by come. Brother Brown, I want you to stand up here just a moment, please. I want you to watch this. I am not playing games. Brother Brown, I want you to be the Lord. I'm the lad. This is my lunch. You want my lunch. Would you say that to me? Give me your lunch. I knowed he didn't want it. I knew he wouldn't take it. I knew it wasn't true. Y'all saw me. I offered it to him. What did he do? He let it go. He didn't take it. That's my first trip to the altar. The preacher just keeps on preaching on surrender and God keeps moving. Boy, here it comes time to go again. And uh, I go again and say, now, here it is. He won't take it. Now, to make it short, I want, you, I want you to get it this time, preacher. I want you to take it. Lord, here's my lunch. Take it. Watch me. Now, Lord, do anything you want to with it. Use it, God. Use it. Use it. Use it. I told you he didn't want it. I told you he couldn't use me. Y'all witnessed. I gave it to him. He did touch it, but he didn't do anything with it. You see, don't miss this. God's not in the taking business. God is not going to wrestle your life out of your hands to get it into his hands. Now watch this. Here's what God wants. You want my lunch? Thank you. God will never put his hand on your life as long as you keep yours on it yourself. He's not going to share with you. Not going to do it at all. Not going to do it at all. But when he comes willing to put it in God's hands, back away from it. You say, Brother Blue, what happened? I'm going to give you three points. Just a bam, bam, bam. But it takes you two days to meditate all of them. You know what happened? He took it. He touched it. He transformed it. He made something out of that lad's lunch that daddy couldn't make out of it, mama couldn't make out of it, the preacher couldn't make out of it, the disciples couldn't make out of it, the congregation couldn't make out of it, the boy couldn't make out of it. I'm telling you, God will take you and make something out of you that's beyond yourself. Your parents can't do it, your preacher can't do it, your church can't do it, but God can. Notice the fourth, fifth thing. There's not in the problem, the proclamation, the picture, the program. There's inventory, there's investment. I didn't give you that word. But I want to come down to verse number 20. And I want to give you just for a brief moment, that's usually 30 minutes, you know, for a Baptist preacher. I want to, I, want to, I feel like, Brother Gravely, I, I ought to prove it worked. Yeah. 
I think I ought to offer some proof. If I could just bring your mind a minute, and I'm not going to go into detail, bring you into a courtroom and say, I want you to prove it works. I give you two things. First of all, the Bible said they ate until they were all filled. Would you let me borrow your mind just a moment? I, I am wearing a microphone. I assume I'm being recorded. Suppose before this lunch, 30 minutes before this miracle takes place, I come back through here and I walk among the men and I pick up on a conversation. Now, guys, I don't mean to embarrass you, but you know what they're saying, Brother Graham? Well, how long he's going to preach? We've been here all day and not about to eat. You know my husband, he'll be the last one to leave. I walk over to the ladies, excuse me, sister, and I, you know what to pick up? Well, how long he's going to stay here? You know my husband, he'll be the last one to leave. We'll be here until everybody else is gone. By the time little kid runs and says, Mama, I'm starving. That's 30 minutes before the meal. Fast forward 30 minutes after the meal. I come back the same trail. You know what I pick up from these men? I dare you girls write this down. I want you to write it down. I want to see it after all, all right? You know what I pick up on it? Uh, nobody in here can spell that. Everybody here knows what that means. And the kids say, ah, Mama, I'm getting sleepy. I'm tired and full. I'm telling you, the field multitude said, it works. You know how I know old-fashioned Christianity works, preacher? I look at this crowd, comes back every year and fills up a building, drives all these miles and sits through these long services and, uh, and uh, just, you know, I'll just stop right there while I'm still in good shape. You say, why they come back? They're satisfied with what they're getting. If you could choke up this little lad to write it down here and say to them, what happened? The crowd, what happened? And they said, I'm satisfied. The field multitude said, it works. But wait a minute. Offer your second proof. There's not only the field multitude that says it works, but there's the fragments that remain that says it works. Jesus said to the disciples, pick up the scraps. Don't waste anything. Now, Brother Bram, I'm not too intellectual. Maybe you can help me on this, but it just seems to me like with my thinking, first thing I would have done if I'd been one of the disciples, Brother Graham, I'd grab that little boy's basket where the lunch come from. Start putting them scraps in it. They didn't get nowhere till it's full. Can I put another verse of scripture in there? I believe the Lord said, what? he said, press it down, shake it together, and run it over. Yeah. And then they grabbed another basket, another basket, another basket, and when they're done, they've got 12 basketfuls. Yes. Now the big question down through the years has been, what happened to them 12 basketfuls? Well, I've got a question. If you'll answer it, I believe I can answer yours. What I want to know, Bill Lenny, where'd they get them other 11 baskets? Brother Andy, don't hear my pastor now. Don't look down on me for saying this, but I wondered if a basket tree just came in full crop and they, you don't believe that. I better not say that. <laughs> I know what it was. I bet Elijah's ravens cranked up and come flying. You don't believe that either. Nobody believes what I'm saying. 
It might have been 11 granny ladies with a sewing basket hanging on the elbow and they dumped it out in their apron and you don't believe that? Nobody believes anything I've got to offer. One person said, I tell you where they come from. There's a lead and tight wad Baptist in there and they heard God was hunting lunches and they ate theirs before God got a chance to get it. And I don't mean this disrespectful, please. I did this in a church. Good man of God, good church, good people. And there's a boy in that church, please, please take me right, Brother Gravely. Yes, there was not 100%. Yes. I don't mean that disrespectful. You know, you've met people like that. Just, he, was, he was able to take care of himself, but he was not really yes. complete upstairs. He come up to me at church and he said, Auntie, where got them 11 baskets? I said, Where? He said, the Lord made them. He can multiply fish, he can multiply baskets. Let me make another point here. I got, I got talking to God about this. This is a long time before that boy told me that. Lord, where did you get them baskets? Someone won't believe what I'm thinking. Say, Brother Grant, let me tell you what the Lord said to me. It ain't none of your business. Now, don't miss my point. You see, my job is not worrying about where the 11 baskets are coming from. Your job is not worrying about where them 11 baskets come from. My job is to bring my basket, my lunch, and give it. Then it's up to God to have whatever else is needed, ready, and waiting. When I've done my part, you can count on it. God will do his. Our Lord give us law. He said, you reap what you sow. He said, give and it shall be given unto not the disciples, not the women, but you. I don't believe the Lord violated his own principle there. I believe he gave all 12 of them baskets back that morning. I don't know what the boy might have done with it, but let me use my imagination one moment. I'll be through in just a minute, preacher. He told me I was going to go start service tonight at 7 o'clock. I had to preach the limb. I mean, uh, no, it wasn't what you said. (laughs) Had to be through with it. Well, anyway, let me come back. Can you imagine, Brother John, you've got three children. You've got four children. Y'all can communicate with this. And you, you've got children too. Can you imagine over the house that morning? That morning, Mama said, now, boy, here's your lunch. You eat it. Don't bother nobody else's. There's plenty here for you. That don't sound unreal, does it? Me think that? Boy, it's getting dark, and he's not home. She's getting worried. All of a sudden, she hears him singing coming up the road. You say, the Bible don't say that. Well, everybody got around Jesus sings. Y'all try it sometime. Amen. Then he stops his own singing and said, Mama, Mama. What is he, son? Come help me get my scraps in the door. Can you imagine explaining to your mama? I told you to eat your lunch and leave everybody else's alone. No, cross my heart and hope I die. Raise my hand toward heaven. Mama, mama, that, that's. You see what I, here's what I'm trying to say. Them that was not there experiencing, you can't ever explain to them how God's done what he's done with your little lunch. You'll be amazed and they will too. I close with a final point. I'll be very brief. There's a problem. There's a proclamation. There's a picture. There's a plan. There's a proof. But lastly, the principle. I want you to see this. It's very quick. I'll be through with it in just a minute. But I want you to get this. 
First of all, let me ask these fellows on the stage. I'm putting you fellows in the spot all the time. I don't mean to be doing that, but let me ask you all a question. Could you tell me this boy's name? Hmm? But Randy, can you tell me this boy's name? Now, they tell me in Bible study, if you find an unnamed personality, there's one of two things as a general principle of it. Number one, it can be a picture of the Holy Spirit, the unnamed person of the Godhead. But number two, if that don't seem to work, and even when it does, you can just put your name in there. God left the name out so you can put yours in there. Amen? Here's my picture. I'd like to call this little lad an insignificant lad. What do I mean by that? But gravity, nobody knew his name. You know, we think it's got to be Mr. Big Deacon or Mr. Big Disciples, Mr. Big Preacher's son. Got to be son. God has no specials. He can't use specials. God uses common. That's why I'm standing here this afternoon and tell you, you're not left out. You're not excluded. You might say, but preacher, you don't know me. No, but God does. I know God. And God gives a whosoever will. So I don't care who you are, who your parents are, what your pastor. If you bring your lunch to Christ, he'll take it, touch it, and transform it. And make out of you what you can't make for yourself. Little lad, little lunch, insignificant lunch, insignificant lad, insufficient lunch. But when that little lad brought that little lunch to a great big Lord, mm-hmm. he had a whole bunch of leftovers. Right. Personal word of testimony, and I am through. I preached longer than I thought it would. But Ricky, you didn't know me back in them days. You probably wasn't even born back in them days. But I surrendered to preach when I was 18 years old. The Mountain Springs Baptist Church up off 411 Highway. You probably know what I'm talking about. Heading toward ball play. I started preaching at age 18. And Brother Randy, when I was 20, our pastor resigned. Of course, we'd done the normal thing. We got a pulpit committee, Brother Chris, and they brought in this one and that one preached. And one Wednesday night, Brother Morgan, they come to me and said, we don't have anybody to preach Sunday. Would you preach for us? I want to say, would I? I've been wondering when you're going to ask me, you know. But I preached that Sunday morning. I didn't know a thing in the world about outlining. Nothing. I knew a little bit about the end line, just get a hold of God and run with what you got. But I run around a lot then. I've moved quite a bit today, but I run around a lot. And Brother Grant, I got down there on what do you got? Brother Chris, and I come down, there's just two rows of pews. And I started like with you here. I said, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? And I went all the way across. What do you got? What do you got? And I started back up on the stage, and the Holy Ghost said, what have you got? You've asked everybody else, what "What have you got? It's all I knew, preacher, it's all I knew. I'm not magnifying my ignorance in those days, but it's all I knew. Brother Brother Ricky, we had a mourner's bench, just a flat bench with no ends on it, sitting right in front of the communion table there. He stuck out about a foot and a half on either side. And Brother Randy, I come off of this side. As soon as I give an invitation, I was the first one on the altar. I come over here, and I bowed right here. And this is all I knew. I said, God, you don't know what I got? All I got is a strong body and a big mouth. 
I knew it took strength to preach. I knew you needed some volume. I was as serious as a heart attack. You know what God said, preacher? I'll take it. Amen. And God took it and God touched it and God has literally fed thousands of congregations with the leftovers my life. If God, let me correct that, since God's done it for me, he can do it for you. He wants to do it for you. He will not, he will not, he will not take it out of your hand. He'll not wrestle it away from you. He'll not twist it away from you. But look at me just a minute, turn this Look at me just a minute. You will come down here to the scene as it will bring your life and say, Lord, here it is. It won't just be a moment of shouting and singing. It'll be a lifetime change. Lifetime change. God's looking for lunches. Brother Chris, what an honor. I can tell a crowd like this, there's not a one in here that God won't take their lunch and touch it and transform it if they'll bring it. You may not, everybody, everybody won't be preachers. Everybody not be up, may not be up front. But I'm telling you, you can have God's touch on your life. But you can't have his hands on your life and yours at the same time. We're going to stand together. It's all right if I give an altar call. We're going to stand together. You boys may not.